This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com And that is the power of tefillah, the power of prayer. Because prayer seems to be something totally illogical. Now you would say, you know, I'm so used to praying. Why, why is prayer illogical? Because by praying, we're asking Hashem to change His plan. We're asking Hashem to change what everyone, you know, the Yiddish word, Bashert, um, or uh, the Hebrew word mazal. Mazal seems to be, you know, what, what a person is born with. You're born with a certain mazal, who you're going to marry, how much money you're going to make. Um, all this is already pre, pre-planned. Everything is pre-planned. So when a person prays, even the day of one's death, you know, uh, one of the doctors we had in our, Dr. Abudi used to say that a person is born with an expiration date. So even that, we can change through the power of prayer. So prayer is something, we have to understand, prayer is something totally illogical that does not make any sense. It's very similar to the concept of teshuva. Teshuva is also illogical. That I can repent, I can change my past history from bad to good or from bad to neutral. Okay, so best case scenario, I can change the bad into good. So teshuva is illogical. Prayer is changing the future. Prayer can change the future. Prayer cannot change the past, but prayers can change the future. This is one of the major principles of Jewish faith, that Hashem listens to our tefillah, Hashem listens to our prayers, and the power of prayer is tremendous. We can change our future through the power of prayer. Now, obviously, there's other reasons to pray. One of them is to examine oneself. What are one's deepest yearnings? When a person prays, they are expressing their deepest yearnings. What are their priorities in life? What are we praying for? And then we can see what we really want. A person prays for money every day. Okay, so money is a priority in their life. A person prays for good weather. Good weather is a priority in their life. So it's what a person prays for that defines who they are. What we pray for, it's interesting. When a person puts down what they're praying for, you'll see their priorities in life. So there's three main things, three areas of our lives we need to pray for. And what's interesting, because this is a bracha in Birkat Amazon. Hashem, we ask Hashem, What is bakol? Rashi says, Hashem blessed Abraham bakol. He gave him children. He gave him a son. So children, that's number one. Priority we see in the Torah, Mikol, it says, is good health. That Hashem blessed uh, Yitzhak, where he says, give me from the venison. And uh, that means good health because he's able to eat. So good health is also priority, number two. And number three is that Esau and Yaakov, this week's parasha, that uh, Esau says to Yaakov, he says, take back your gift. I don't need this gift. It's really a lot. And... Uh, and Yaakov says, yes, I have everything. So, bakol, mikol, kol. We pray in the Birkat Amazon. Hashem should bless us like He blessed our forefathers with children. Bakol, mikol, with good health. And kol, with financial wealth. Bezrat Hashem will all be blessed. But we see something totally illogical, which doesn't make sense. And that is the power of prayer can change our future. The, ch- the power of prayer can change our mazal. And this is something which is um, important, Gemara which is the Gemara in Shabbat. And the Gemara in Shabbat has a whole section about in Yesh Mazal Yisrael or En Mazal Yisrael. Is there such a thing as luck for the Jewish people or is there no such thing as luck? What does that mean? What does it mean luck? We tell people Mazal Tov, we have good luck. 
What is luck? And the answer is luck is fate or destiny. Luck is fate or destiny as predicted by the stars, by the astrology. I mean, I don't, I don't have any faith in astrology today, but at one time people were, they had the brains, they had, they had the capability to predict a person's life, when they're going to live, when they're going to die, when they're going to get married, all the important events. Uh, the great astrologers of the ancient days could tell how long, when a person's going to die. They knew all the big events in a person's life. They could predict it. In fact, they would write it down when a person is born. What's going to happen to that person? So, so the stars are already predicted, whatever that means. The horoscope, the astrology, today it's bunk because people don't know how to do it. But in those days, apparently they had this wisdom. And we're going to talk about this today. How can prayer upset a person's fate? And that's what the Gemara says. Shmuel says in Shabbat, Masechet Shabbat, Tavkuf Nun Vav Amud Bet, Shmuel says, En Mazal Le Israel. What does that mean? We don't believe that Israel is affected by fate. We are, we are able to change our fate. As Jews, we are able to change our fate. In fact, it's not really limited to Jews. But anyone who prays to God and really believes that God can change their destinies, can change their destinies. Person who believes in God's power of changing destinies, we can change our des destiny by faith. So it's important. So, person who believes that God has the power to change one's fate can change one's fate, and that is the power of prayer. I'm just going to go through the different sources in the Torah about the power of prayer. What is the power of prayer? Can a person pray only for themselves? Is a person allowed to pray for themselves? Is that a selfish kind of prayer? And the answer is yes, selfish prayers. Hashem does not like selfish people. It's very important not to pray for oneself alone. One should always pray, including other people, which we're going to talk about. And that's why our prayers are always in the plural. Everything that we need. Our personal needs are not in the singular. Our personal needs are always in the plural. We pray, including other people. That's a generous prayer. So Hashem loves generous people. Hashem is very generous. Hashem gives gratuitous kindness. He doesn't have to give any kindness. He gives gratuitous kindness. Our God is a gratuitously generous God. Hashem loves us. Hashem gives us. And we should also know that our prayers can be tremendously powerful if we pray in the proper manner, which we have to talk about. What are the conditions for successful prayer? So number one is it's a generous prayer. It's not a selfish prayer. It's a generous prayer, including other people. So when we talk about our uh, safety and security, please, Hashem, save us all. Secure us all. All Am Yisrael should be secure from the enemies. We ask Hashem for health. We pray, please heal us in the plural. All our prayers should be in the plural. That's a very important context in terms of successful prayer. Number two, we're going to talk about is humility. Successful prayer is not demanding. Successful prayer, prayer is tachanunim. A person's prayers should be tachanunim. What does that mean? Pleading in front of Hashem. In other words, a person's got to say, Hashem, I accept your will. Hashem, I accept your will. I know you want the best for me. I know you're going to do the best for me. But like a fiddle on the roof in a sense, would it, would it upset your vast eternal plan if this would happen? So Hashem, please, I accept your decrees. But please, can you put in this, uh, this uh, little uh, exception and it's a little change in your plan for me or for my family or for my, uh, or my workers or my uh, constituents or my communities or my people. So we can pray. So that's number two. Number two, very important is, number one is not to make a selfish prayer. Number two is it's got to be a prayer which is uh, accepting 
of Hashem's greatness and Hashem's uh, decrees. So a person demands, a person demands, you know, my, my, my sister always says, those that want will never get. If you say, please, please, Ima, can you give me? But if you say, I want this, you'll never get it. So but the same thing applies to Hashem. We plead, prayer should be pleading. We're pleading with Hashem, Tachanunim. person should say, pray with Tachanunim, with pleading. So it's a plea to Hashem. We're going to talk a bit about, about this later. But let's try and go through the prayers in the Torah, because that's where we learn this idea of prayer. It's, it's mentioned over and over again. This concept of prayer is mentioned over again. Now, what we have to understand is before the idea of prayer came along, because prayer, we said, is totally illogical. Prayer does not make sense. We don't find Noah praying. Hashem says it's going to be a flood. We don't find a single prayer uttered by Noah. So the question is, why not? Why did Noah not pray? And the answer probably is because Noah did not think prayer could help him. He did not think that he could change God's mind by pleading with God. So this concept of prayer, who's the first person that ever prayed? So it wasn't Noah, it wasn't Adam. You know, although the Kabbalists say that there was prayer by Adam, uh, Rashi actually brings down that uh, it never rained before Adam was uh, created. Adam prayed, but it's not explicit in the Torah. Prayer is not mentioned explicitly in the Torah. It's a Rashi, it's a, it's a Midrash, it's, it's a Kabbalistic concept that Adam prayed for rain, and that's why it rained. But without the Adam on the, on the land, the seeds were there, but nothing happened because it never rained. Adam, Ayn. It says, Adam, Ayn, Adama. There was no man to work the earth. And Rashi says, no man to work the earth means prayer. Working the earth is prayer. Adam Rishon never prayed. So therefore, the rain never fell. So interesting, but it's not explicit in the Torah. I want to bring down you some examples explicit. So before prayer was explicit in the Torah, what do they do? We find Kain and Hevel explicitly in the Torah bring offerings. They bring offerings to God. It's called a mincha. Now, mincha is not a prayer. What it is, is a thank you. So thank yous pre-existed prayer. When we talk about prayer, we're talking about pleading to change destiny. That never existed prior to Abraham Avinu. So let's just go through a little bit. So we find the first one to bring sacrifices was Cain and Hevel, Cain and Abel, who brought sacrifices which are called Korban Mincha, Mincha Lashem, which is a thank you offering. It's a thank you offering to God for creating us, for creating the world. So they did say thank you. Um, Noah also. After the flood, and Hashem showed him the rainbow, and, and Hashem made a, a pact. I'm not going to destroy the world again with a flood. And Noah brings a korban. He brings a korban, a thank you to Hashem uh, to, uh, uh, in, to acknowledge God's goodness. But he didn't pray to change destiny. He never prayed for the people not to be killed. He never prayed for the flood not to happen. And that's why Yeshayahu Hanavi, Isaiah the prophet, calls the flood. May Noah, he calls it the flood of Noah. In other words, Noah was to blame for the flood because he didn't do anything about it. So who is the first person to pray? And this is our hero, our forefather, Abraham, Avinu, Abraham, our forefather, Abraham. So it's interesting because this is straight after Abraham fights four kings. He fights a world war, four kings against five kings. The four kings beat the five kings. And they capture his nephew, Lot. And Abraham runs after them and fights them almost single-handedly. A couple of hundred warriors, uh, according to some uh, Midrashim, it's just him and Eliezer against these four kings. And he beats them and he takes back Lot. And afterwards, he's very scared. 
What's he scared about the country? He's telling us he's scared that he used up all his merits. So Hashem appears to him. Hashem says, Al Tira Avram. In those days, his name was still Avram, which means a high father. Avram, two words, Avram, the high father. And Hashem says the famous words, Manuchi Magenlach. I will be your shield. I am your shield. That's where we get the bracha. And the Shemona Esrei, Magen Abraham, Baruch Atah Hashem, Magen Abraham, I am your shield. So we get this bracha. You have tremendous amounts of reward. And we open Abraham, Hashem, Elohim, Matitelli. Now we find the first prayer in the Chumash. Hashem, Elohim, what will you give me? What's the problem, Abraham? What will you give me? I have no children. And the master of my household is the Mesek Eliezer, Eliezer from Damascus. He doesn't, we don't even know who he was, what's, what's, where, which family he was from. He was uh, like a waif taken in by Abraham. And he was called Eliezer from Damascus. I don't have any children. So he's pleading with Hashem now for children. It's interesting. Hashem says, I'll protect you. Abraham says, what will you give me? All the protection. I don't have any children. What's, I have no future in, in this world. I have nothing to show for my efforts in this world. I'm going to die and my message is going to be forgotten without any children to transmit my message, without any progeny. And, and, he, and uh, so this is the first prayer in the Torah. The first prayer in the Torah is a prayer for children. And what happens? Hashem answers his prayer. Lo yirash chazeh. This one will not inherit you. Someone will come from you. The child will come from you and he will inherit you. And now we come to this famous lines. We said, is there destiny? Are we controlled by destiny? Are we controlled by the stars? Are we controlled by our horoscope? And here is this famous line. This is in chapter, two, uh, chapter 15 of Bereshit of Genesis, verse 5. Hashem took him outside. So, what do you mean Hashem took him outside? So obviously he was inside his tent, but really it was a vision. In his vision, Hashem took him outside the tent. And he said, look at the stars. Look at the heavens. Now Rashi says over here, an amazing line. He took him outside. So literally it means he took him outside the tent. And Rashi says, and the second explanation is, he took him outside. From his horoscope, he took him outside from the astrology. You saw, you see in the stars, it seems like Abraham was an astrologer himself. You see in the stars, then you're not ha- going to have any children. You're right. Abraham will not have children. But Abraham will have a son. Sarai, and you see in the stars, that Sarai, your wife, will not have children. You're right. But your wife, Sarah, I'm going to change her name to Sarah. I'm going to change your name to Abraham, Abraham. And then you will have children. You're right. The, the, astrology, the, the, the astrology is right, but I'm going to change your names. Now, this is a very important idea because this is like a last resort for Jewish people. When people are sick, we change their names. Now, it shouldn't be a very last resort because sometimes it's too late. It's got to be done earlier. People should be more active in terms of changing names. Now, what is this changing name? What does a change of name do to a person? So the answer is, I'm on theory, and it's based on the Rambam. The Rambam says in the laws of Teshuvah, when a person does Teshuvah, it's like he has a different name. What does that mean? No one recognizes that person 
based on his previous action because now he's doing or he, she's doing something new and they're not recognizable by their friends. Their friends don't recognize them anymore. So changing a name does not mean literally changing a person's name. They're changing who they are, their essence. Changing the name is changing the essence. And this is a very important concept because we don't really realize when we give children a name, we're actually giving them the essence. And that's why the name is so powerful. The name is their vessel that contains their essence. A person's name is what contains their essence. And therefore, names are very powerful because we think of ourselves as our name. Who am I? And this is my name. So a person thinks about the name, then they think about who else lived with that name. What lessons can I learn from their lives? They are my role models because I'm named after them. And that has a tremendous impact on a child and adults growing up. So the name is very, very critical. So Hashem tells Abraham, he says, you're right. Your name, Abraham, you're not going to have children. I'm going to change your name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. Uh, now you're going to have many children. And your wife, Sarai, which means my princess, I'm going to change to Sarah. She's going to be the princess of the world. Which means, what does it mean? It means we have to think about ourselves, that we have potential to overpower our fate. And what gives us this potential to overpower our fate? Our linkage to God. How do we link ourselves to God? We talk to him. It's very simple. It's a local call. You know, there's no, it's a, you know, we get up there and it's, a, it's, a, it's in the clouds. We know it's in the clouds. Today, everything's in the cloud. Hashem is above us. Hashem is within us. Hashem is all over. And we can address Hashem every second of the day. And in fact, the more we address Hashem, the closer the bond between us becomes. The whole purpose of prayer is number one is, to, this is number three. Power of prayer is to create the bond. Number one, we said, is to pray in the plural. Number two, he said, is to pray with humility, that we I accept Hashem's decree. And number three is to pray to create a bond with Hashem. So the more a person talks to God, the more Hashem is closer to us. The Ramam says a very important idea that the, the, the person who's closer with God, closer, God is closer with them. So there's two people on a train. One is thinking about Hashem, one is not thinking about Hashem. The person thinking about Hashem, Hashem is there with that person. Hashem is there. So you think about Hashem, he's there. You don't think about Hashem, he's not there. That's the power of thought. A person can bring God into their lives, can make their lives into a spiritual journey just by thinking about Hashem. A very powerful message. That's number three, is bringing God into our lives. And number four is, the power of prayer is, we said our prayers show us who we are. What do we pray for? What do we live for? What are we asking for? Those are the important things in our lives. And that shows us who we are. So there's a four different points in terms of prayer. So let's just go back to Abraham. Abraham Vina is praying for children. So Abraham Vina knew the secret that I don't have to accept decrees of God. I have the power and capability to argue with God. This is wild. To argue with God, but obviously... Not argue to the point of disrespect, not argue the point of disobedience, but argue to the point I accept God's will. And that's, that's as far as we can go. Hashem, please, can you do this favor? Can you do this for us? But I accept your will. Either way, I accept your will. Your will is the main will. And there's an important line. This is number five. This is number five point. Please remember these points. Number five point is famous Mishnah. If I make his will like my will, he will do my will like his will. In other words, I make his will like my will. I do the will of God. That's my will. 
Hashem said, I'll make your will my will as well. So in other words, we have to synchronize our wills together. If you're in God's army, if you're doing God's will, then you're part of God's mission in the world. If you're part of God's mission in the world, he wants you to succeed. So the trick of being answered is become part of God's uh, will in the world. If you're part of God's will in the world, you want to do God's work in this world, Hashem says, you're on my team, and my team is going to win. We're on God's team. You have to be on God's team. If we make ourselves a God's team, our prayers become ever more successful and more powerful. And something which we have to say every morning, we say in our prayers, what is a parent's main wish? What should a parent's main wish be? And this really hit me when I became a grandfather. We say every morning, we and our children, but and our children's children, should all know your name. Please, Hashem, let us be successful as parents, that all our children know God's name and spread God's word in this world and our grandchildren as well. Three generations we want to fulfill your mission in the world. And Bezrat Hashem, once three generations, we have Chazaka, which means there's inertia, the spiritual inertia, and the next, the next generations will follow through as well. Bezrat Hashem. And it should be one of the main focuses of prayer in our lives is focus on our destinies as in terms of our parenting, parenting skills and our grand, as grandparents and continuing our missions. Well, anyway, let's go back to Abraham Avinu. So we said Abraham Avinu, the first prayer in the Torah is a prayer for children. I am uh, I'm sterile in a sense, Hashem. I don't have any children. And who's going to inherit me? This guy from Damascus is going to inherit me. And Hashem promises him, you're going to have children. And not only are you going to have children, your wife, Sarai, is also going to be changed name to Sarah. And you're going to have, you're both going to have children. And then you also promise, Hashem promises him also the land of Israel. Very important. Before he promises him children, he promises Abraham the land of Israel, which is interesting because Abraham doesn't have it. We don't have a single prayer for the land of Israel. Hashem gave Abraham the land of Israel because he wanted to. Hashem told Abraham, you and your children are going to inherit the land of Israel. And then Abraham says, I don't have any children. So Hashem says, I'm going to give you children as well. I'm going to give you the land and the children. And that is the first prayer in the Torah. Amazing. Why? Because Abraham Avinu knew the secret. He knew the secret is we must never accept fate. Hashem gave us this power to argue, even though it's totally illogical, just like we said, the Shuba is totally illogical. You cannot change the past. And yet we can with through the Shuba. And uh, prayer is also logical. We can change the past by teshuva, and we can change our futures by prayer. The power of prayer, the importance power of prayer. Let's never forget the power of prayer brought down many times in the Torah. I'm going to just one story from later on. I'm going to give a few stories from later on. And uh, we're going to talk about Hana eventually. We'll get to Hana, who is one of the, one of the main uh, originators of the power of prayer. So we're going to talk about how she formatted the Shmonestre, the Amidah, and how she argued successfully for a child with God. Amazing. But I just want to give another story of Hezekiah Wamelech. Hezekiah, the king, one of the later kings of Judah, who was a very pious individual. But what happened was he never got married. Why did he not get married? So Hashem sends the prophet Isaiah, go and tell Hezekiah, you're going to die. You never fulfilled your mission in this world which is to have children you never got married and therefore you're going to die Hezekiah says so Isaiah the prophet comes to him he says you're going to die 
As the guy says, not so fast. This is our tradition from my father, David, my great-great-grandfather, that if you turn your face to the wall and pray, even if the sword is at a person's neck, a person can change their destiny. A person can be saved, even if the sword is at a person's neck. So what happens is, David Amelech, his tradition continues as Kiao turns his face to the wall and he prays to God. Isaiah is on his way out. And Hashem gives the message, go back and tell Hizkiyahu he has another 15 years to live. Wow. Just by praying. That two-second prayer gave another 15 years to live. And Hizkiyahu marries the daughter of Isaiah, and he lives another 15 years. He has two children. Nothing much came out of them. Uh, only troubles. We had troubles from them. But we see the power of prayer, amazing power of prayer. So here we saw Abraham Abinu pray for children. It was answered straight away, not straight away in terms of timing, but Hashem says, you're going to have children. He did have children. He had eight children. So we have to talk about that. Abraham Abinu was successful in his prayers. Where is the second place? Now, it's interesting that there's a prayer which is not even uttered. A person can pray without being uttered. What does that mean? That means Hashem reads a person's feelings. Obviously, why does prayer have to be verbal? Now, it's interesting because our prayer, Jewish prayer is verbal prayer. Jewish prayer is a verbal prayer. That's the ideal scenario is to actually uh, move at least one's purpose lips. We learned it from Hannah. Hannah moved her lips. And uh, you don't even have to hear what you say. There's a big debate between, between the Kabbalah and the, and the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch says you should hear yourself what you're asking for. Um, because you should internalize what you're praying for. We said a person should examine what they're praying for. These are the most important things in your life, what you're praying for. So a person should internalize what they're praying for by actually whispering it to yourself. But Arizal comes along, Rabbi Sagluri Ashkenazi, the great Kabbalist, he says you shouldn't even hear what you're saying. You should just move your lips. But there's another kind of prayer in the Torah which is very interesting, which is Hashem hears a person's feelings. And we see this in the story of Hagar. Now, it's very fascinating because Hagar was the daughter, according to the Midrash, the daughter of Pharaoh, who was given, who was given by Pharaoh into the house of Abraham Avinu to be a maid to Sarah. After Pharaoh witnessed the miracle, how Hashem saved Sarah from him and his household, from marrying him and other things, Hashem, uh, Pharaoh, the Midrash says, says to his daughter, he says, it's better you are a maid in this house than be the queen of Egypt. Wild, wild. To be a maid in the house of Abraham. So she became a maid in the house of Abraham. And when Sarah could not have children, she gave her God to Abraham. And uh, Abraham uh, married her. And she had, she got pregnant. And she made a mockery of Sarah. Say, so, oh, you think you're righteous, you're showing everyone you're so righteous, but if you're righteous, Hashem would have given you children. I got pregnant, you didn't. So it says straight after that, Hagar had a miscarriage, and Hagar runs away because of Sarah's oppression. Sarah was trying to teach her a lesson who the boss is in the house, and she ran away, and an angel meets her in the desk. This is wild. The maidservant of Abraham sees angels. I don't see angels, but the maidservant of Abraham sees angels. She didn't only see one angel, she saw many angels. We're going to talk a bit about that. So, so what happened? She's sitting by the well in the desert of Shur, and an angel of God finds her and says to her, Hagar Shivchat Sarai, 
Hagar, the maid of Sarai, where are you coming from and where are you going? And she says, I'm running away from my mistress. And the angel, that's interesting because it repeats this word angel five times. Rashi said she saw five different angels, which is wild. I can't even see one, she sees five. And the angel of God told her, go back to your mistress and be afflicted under her hand. That's God's will. And uh, don't worry, Hashem is going to bless you. And again, another angel comes. Hashem. Again, another angel comes. It tells her, I will increase your seed. You won't be able to count them. This is the Ishmaelites. Amazing blessing that Hagar got. Now, where does Hagar pray for this? And then another angel comes. In Ehara, you're going, to have a, you're going to get pregnant. Another one, for a lot of better, you're going to have a son and you'll call his name Ishmael. Ishmael or Ismael. Ishmael. Uh, what does Ishmael mean? Hashem heard your affliction. And what's interesting over here, it says, it doesn't say Hashem heard your prayers. It says Hashem heard your affliction. This is wild. That silent prayer, not just not even moving one's lips. Hashem looks at the world and he sees afflicted people and he sees their yearnings and he sees their desires and he answers them without even saying anything. That is a much higher level. That's obviously a person's talking to God in their brain. Please, Hashem, help me. I'm being afflicted. So that's not Jewish prayer, but that is a very high level of prayer. That's not a level which everyone should emulate. We want to we want to move our lips. We want to do something physical. Why? Because there's different levels of service Hashem. This is a very Kabbalistic concept. The service Hashem in action, the service Hashem in words, the service of Hashem in thoughts, and the service of Hashem in yearnings, different levels of service of Hashem. This is alluded to by the four different letters of God's name. Yud Kevavke, Yud is yearnings. The hey, the first hey is thoughts, the Vav is speech. And the last day is action. So we want to serve God in all these different ways. So that's why we actually verbalize the prayers. We move our lips to do the action. We want to bring the yearnings into thought and thought into speech and speech into action. We want to serve God in all the different levels, uniting all the different worlds. So it's interesting that Hashem answered her yearnings. Her, his Hashem didn't, she didn't have to pray. Hashem answered her affliction. Hashem God heard your affliction. Wow, that's a very high level. So we see that it's able, you can change one's destiny by their affliction, by how much they're afflicted, how much they're yearning. It's an inside, even a cry from the inside. Uh, but however, that's not Jewish prayer. Jewish prayer is a person should actually verbalize. It's important to verbalize as well, to bring that prayer into this world on a different level. Okay, so let's move on. So that's why his name is called Ishmael. God heard your cries. God heard your affliction. She didn't have to cry. God heard the affliction. We're going to talk about this concept even more later on. And uh, again, we find another prayer. And the prayer is, Hashem tells Abraham, uh, you're going to have a son. And you're going to call this boy's name Yitzhak, which means laughter. There's a tremendous laughter. You're going to be happy. You're going to have a child. 100 years old, Sarah's 90 years old. You're going to have a child in your old age. Everyone's going to laugh with you. It's going to be a very happy event, and you're going to call this kid's name laughter. Now, it's interesting. No one thinks of Yitzhak as a very happy child, right? But Yitzhak was the happiest person in the world. We have to really realize that. As we read the story of Yitzhak, we know the story he was nearly offered up. He was traumatized. And he's a very serious individual. No, no, no. Yitzhak was serious, but happy. 
who is the most happy person in the world. How? Why was he happy? Because you cannot be an offering to God unless you're happy. It's a very important concept. When a person does a mitzvah when they're happy, it's worth a thousand times as much as a mitzvah when you're not happy. A person does a good deed. He does the will of God. does an act, a spiritual act, and they're happy doing it. It's worth much more in God's eyes than a basic. The person does a mitzvah, just basic mitzvah, without any feeling, emotion of happiness or joy. It's a thousandth of the value of the mitzvah done with joy. So Yitzhak did it with joy. He was the happiest person in the world. He was a man of laughter and happiness. Because, it's a very important point, spirituality is related to happiness. A person who is depressed cannot be spiritual. A prophet who is depressed cannot be a prophet. Very simple. It's very important to be on a happy high and happiness is measured in spirituality. Spirituality is measured by happiness. So, to be a, so if you see a, ha- a person who's spiritual but not happy, it's not spiritual. Very simple. A person depressed, a person who's down, is not a spiritual person. A spiritual person is always happy. Why? Because if you trust in God, it's a very high level. And probably not on that level. It's a very high level. It is not to worry, not to have any problems. Because if God is there on your side, He'll take care of everything. A person who really has a munah, trust in God and faith in God, and knows that God is with them, will never be worried. However, there is one worry we find even the righteous have, and that's uh, this week's parasha with Yaakov is going to meet Esau, and he's worried. Why is he worried? The righteous says over there, in case he did a sin that would cause God not to save him. So the only worry we have is ourselves. We, we, we don't worry about what God will do. We worry about ourselves. Are we up to it. Are we spiritually up to it that God is on our side? God will look after us. God will protect us. But a person who believes in God's protection, a person who knows they have a clean conscience. So do Teshuvah every second. A person who has a clean conscience, even though a person did something, you can do Teshuvah straight away. Um, it's something very easy to do. And a person has a clean conscience and God is with them all the time. So that's a very powerful message. That a person knows God is with them, they're never going to be sad. They're always going to be happy. They're protected. And you find if you look at read through the book of Psalms, how King David, whenever he was despondent, even before he was king, whenever he was chased by King Saul, he cries out to God and he gets back his faith in God by his prayers. And God will save me. I have no troubles, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, it's very hard to even imagine what it's like. You're in the army, you're in the front lines. You're surrounded by enemies. The shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. That's a very high level. That's the level where a person reaches the state of spiritual happiness. As Rabbi Shem, we all reach the stage of spiritual happiness through our faith in God, through our prayers in God. A prayer can change a person's destiny. We have to realize that. Abraham, God says, I'm going to give you a son. It's like, and Hashem says, Abraham says to God, Lu Please, Hashem. I wish Ishmael will live before you. I wish Ishmael will be a tzaddik and you will accept him also, not just Yitzhak. So he prays again, he prays for his son to be righteous and to walk before God. So amazing prayers. Abraham, Abraham's prayers in the beginning focused just on, on his children, what are children. Now we come to a very amazing prayer, a very powerful message to all of us is to never give up hope on a human being. To never give up hope on human beings. There is hope 
for everyone, however evil they are. When we see this, God tells Abraham, I'm going to destroy five cities. The city of Sodom and the four surrounding cities, five cities in all. I'm going to destroy them. And uh, I'm going to destroy them. Let's just read that inside. Hashem says, am I going to hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? He's going to be a mighty nation. He's teaching his sons after him to do righteousness and justice. Why was Abraham, Abraham chosen? It's a big question. Why was Abraham chosen? Why are we the chosen people? Because we chose God. How do we show that we chose God? Because we teach our children justice and righteousness. Two of the most important ingredients in God's Torah is justice and righteousness. How do we know? Because it says so in Genesis chapter 18. In verse 19, chapter 18, verse 19, have a look, Genesis. And this is why Abraham Avin was chosen. Abraham was chosen, and his children were chosen because we're learning. He's teaching his children. The first people to teach their children, Abraham Avin was to teach his child. There was no educational system of justice and righteousness prior to this, it seems. No one had the system of righteousness and justice being taught. Abraham Avinu taught it, and later on we learn it through the Torah. We teach our children, we teach them the message of the Torah, which is justice and righteousness. Very important. Tzedek, says, you will chase after righteousness. So Hashem tells Abraham, the cries of Sodom and Amorah. Tremendous affliction going on in these towns, I'm going to destroy them. So what happens? Abraham, Vaigash Abraham, Abraham gets close. Now, this word by Yidash Rashi says it includes five messages, different kinds of messages where Abraham Avinu gets himself ready for a battle with God. This is a wild battle with God. It's like um, it's a battle in court. God's court. God is prosecuting prosecution of Saddam and Amorah, these towns, evil towns, doing the worst things. The word sodomy comes from Saddam. And Abraham Avinu gets ready for his battle this uh, battle to save Sodom and Amorah by Gash, the same word used when uh, Judah goes to argue with Yosef to save Benjamin, Benjamin and, uh, and Abraham starts arguing maybe there's 50 righteous individuals in the midst of the city will you also destroy the city Halilullah well in a sense it's not, it's not like you God you're too holy for this how can you do this? To destroy the righteous with the evil? This is, you know, there was no one to argue this case in front of God in the, in the, in the flood. There's no one to argue this case in the Tower of Babel. This is something which Abraham Avinu, we see the greatness of Abraham. He becomes the defender of humanity. Abraham Avinu is the defender of humanity. And, and we, that's our mission as well. We have to defend humanity. Now, these people were evil. Abraham really should have rejoiced. He made a big party. Hey, you're going to kill these guys in Saddam Hashem. And Abraham says, no. How can you kill the righteous with the wicked? Okay, they're all wicked, maybe. Let's see. I don't know what would Abraham say. But Abraham says, listen, let's find a way to save even the wicked. You kill the righteous with the wicked? And Hashem says, no. There's 50 righteous people I will care. And Abraham argues down all the way to 10. If there's 10 righteous people, you save the city in a Hashem says, yes, I'll save the city. There's 10. 
Unfortunately, we all know there were no 10 people. There's just Lot and, his, and his, uh, his wife and his two, two daughters. And therefore, the Saddam was destroyed. And we find the results of the Dead Sea and all the air around it, which is dead till today. It, was, it used to be a beautiful valley. And the Dead Sea was fresh water. Uh, the Torah says it was like uh, the River Nile and the, the Delta, the Nile Delta, uh, lush, lush Valley. Amazing. Imagine. Think about it. The Dead Sea is a lush valley. Uh, with fresh water, wow, it would be beautiful. So, anyway, so that's here we see Abraham really praying for other people. This is a very powerful idea the idea that we have the capability to pray for others. Not only do we have a capability to pray for others, we have an obligation to pray for others. What is our obligation to pray for others? Love your friend like you love yourself. Why? You want others to pray for you. You want others to do good to you. You want others to be kind to you. Yes, you can be kind to others as well. Pray for other people. You know, people who are sick, add them to your list. It's important to have a list in your, your Shmonestre. In certain sections, pray for other people to get married. You pray for other people to get wealthy. You pray for other people to get uh, to get uh, well when they're sick. It's very important to have this list for yourself. And the Talmud says a very important idea. If you're praying for others and you need that thing, you're going to be answered first. Since you are showing that your prayer is not selfish, Hashem says, I like you. You're not a selfish person. If you need that thing, I'm going to give you the answer first. Now, there was a rabbi, I can't remember his name. I remember very carefully this. I think it was Rabbi, uh, the Sadiq of Yushalayim, Sadiq of our time, Rabbi Arya Levin. I think he would pray. He says, really, Hashem, I'm praying for that person and I want him to be answered first. I want this girl to be answered first. I don't want to be answered first. So, so, so this is amazing. That's a real subject that Sadiq says, you know, I'm praying for so-and-so, not because I want to be answered first, but I'm praying that they really should be answered first. They need it so badly. Anyway, that's a power of prayer. Yes, Abraham Avinu, pestering God. And we're going to see this word again, that this concept of pestering God, we'll find it later on in, in uh, Breshit. Let's go to it. This is the story of Ishmael was thrown out from the house. Abraham, Abraham gets the instructions from Sarah, Sarah, throw out Ishmael. He's no good. Throw him out. I don't want my son to learn bad things from Ishmael. He's a bad, he's giving bad lessons to my son. He's bad peer pressure. This is, you know, one of the things that, that educate our children more than anything else is peer pressure. What school you send them to, who they mix with, which people they mix with, what friends they have, peer pressure. You can always tell the kid what he's like by, by watching the friends. So the friends are doing good, and then the good kids, the kid's going to be a good kid. The friends are bad, they're going to ruin the kids. So it's very important. Peer pressure is very, very critical in raising uh, children, raising us. We don't really realize where we live is an indication of who we are. Who we hang out with, that's who we are. Who we hang out with is who we are. Uh, very important to hang out with good people. So Sarah says to Abraham, throw him out. He's a bad guy. He's a bad kid. He's going to teach Yitzhak. He's going to ruin Yitzhak. So Abraham doesn't want to do it. Hashem says, listen to your voice of your wife, Sarah. And so he sends her away, he sends Hagar away with her son Ishmael in the desert with a flask of water. And Ishmael got sick for heat. And he's dying. Ishmael is dying. And she sits far away from him. Doesn't want to see her, her son die, and she's crying. And God heard the cries of the boy, which is interesting. She's praying, and the boy is crying. 
God didn't hear her cries. He heard the boy's cries. This is another time Hagar sees angels. And he says to Hagar, what's going on, Hagar? And Hagar says, there's no water. So she, it says the angel opens up her eyes and she sees over there a well of water. Now it's interesting. This is a very, very important concept. Sometimes we're blind. How are we blind? We cannot imagine being saved. You know, a person got to use their imagination when they pray. Sometimes, you know, a person prays for something which seems so unreachable that it's practically beyond belief. It's not logical. Again, we said prayer is not logical. We have to understand that. Prayer is not logical. A person can pray for something and they should try and overreach for their prayers. A person should try and overreach their prayers because if you really believe in the power of God, God can do anything. God can do anything. So a person should pray. Listen, we're back in the land of Israel after 2,000 years of exile. It's hard to imagine. 2,000 years, nearly 2,000 years of exile. We're back in our land. The land is, Israel is booming. The economy is booming. Uh, I, you see cranes everywhere you go. They're building Yerushalayim is, is upside down. They're building everywhere. They're building towers now. It's, it's, it's wild. The place has gone wild. This place is booming. It's, uh, it's a miracle in a miracle. We're surrounded by enemies. And yet we become an oasis in the Middle East. Amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing. We have to understand there's a miracle going on here in Israel. Baruch Hashem, we're here. We're watching Jewish history being made. Anyway, so Hashem says, I heard the voice of the lad. This is very important. Here we have the power of prayer again. He may not be praying, but he's just crying. So just cry. Hashem knows what the person's crying for. And Hashem listens to the prayers. We just want to go a bit, a bit further. There's lots, lots to talk about. And we move to Chaye Sarah. And this is a very powerful prayer. This is the prayer of Eliezer. The servant of Abraham. Eliezer is given this mission. Go and find a wife for my son Yitzhak. Abraham says, you go and find a wife for my son Yitzhak. I want to send you to my father's house. You've got to find me a wife from my father's house. So Eliezer goes on his way. What's the chances of finding a girl for us? Come on, what's the chance of finding Abraham's brother's family uh, first, uh, first bat? You know, what's the chance? So Eliezer goes. To Haran, he sits by the well and he has a prayer. He says, Hayomar Hashem Adoni God, the God of my master Abraham, let it happen to me today. I do kindness with my master Abraham. I'm sitting by the well, I'm standing by the well, and the, the daughters of the city are coming to draw water. And the girl that I tell her, give me some water from your, your, your pitcher, and she gives me some water to drink. And she says, I will also give you camels to drink. That is the one you will show to be for my servant Yitzhak, the wife. This is wild. This is, what kind of prayer is this? This is a prayer like winning the lottery. Can you imagine a person prays to win the lottery? What happens? So he prayed, do kindness with my master Abraham. We see the merit of Abraham. Abraham, that's why in our prayers we say, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. These people had special relationships with God. God, when he hears their names, says, God, these are sabikim, the righteous individuals who carried my name in the world, and therefore, I'm, in their merit, I'm going to answer these prayers. That's how we introduce our Shmona Esrei every three times a day, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. So very powerful, very powerful. We see how powerful this is. Do kindness with my master, as it says, by he who turned the berries, he barely finished talking. And Rivka came out who is the daughter of Betuel, 
that the, the who is the son of, of uh, Milka, the wife of Nahor. Nahor is Abraham's brother. It's the granddaughter of, Ab- of Abraham's brother. Abraham's grandniece comes out straight away. Finished praying, boom, and the girl comes out. And he asks her for water. She says, sure. And she said, I'll also give you camels to drink. Wow, this is amazing, amazing. How the power of prayer. You mentioned Abraham's name. So this is number six. Point is, mention the forefathers when you pray. We're going to talk about this again. There's a lot to talk about. Okay, now we come to, you know, we, uh, the Talmud has a whole big discussion. Why do we pray? What's it based on? So one of the opinions of the Talmud is it's based on the forefathers. The forefathers, they're the ones who formulated prayer in terms of when to pray. Abraham, Abraham Avinu was like the dawn. He was like the dawn of Jewish history. He started everything off. He was the founder of our faith. Abraham Avinu was the founder of our faith. Ethical monotheism is based on Abraham Avinu. He spread it to the world. He was the founder of the Shacharit, the morning prayer. He was like morning. Yitzhak Avinu was like afternoon. Because he was second in line. He didn't really do as much as Abraham to spread the message of God in the world. He wasn't as successful. He was like the afternoon. The sun is starting to set. And Yaakov was a night. He was the exile. He went into exile twice. First to Haran. And then he went to Egypt, unfortunately, where he died in Egypt. So, so we have three prayers based on these forefathers. Uh, Abraham Shachrit, Mincha is Yitzhak. Afternoon prayers with Yitzhak, Isaac. And evening prayer is Yaakov, Jacob. So... So it tells us in Genesis chapter 24, verse 30, uh, 63, but Yitzhak, Yitzhak, and Yitzhak went out to chat in the field. So Rashi says, what do you mean he was chatting in the field? Who is he chatting with? He was chatting to God. He went out to chat in the field towards evening, which is the afternoon prayer. We see over here Yitzhak in the afternoon prayer. And just then, his prayer also was answered. What's he praying for? He's praying for a wife. Who comes to meet him? Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, with Rivka, his wife. Amazing. Now we come to another powerful prayer. This is very important as well. And this is the parasha told over a few days ago, a few, a few days ago, a few weeks ago. And here it's uh, Yitzhak and Rivka get married, but they can't have children. So uh, they couldn't have children for a long time. Yitzhak was 40 years old when he married Rivka. And he's 60, and he doesn't have children. And Yitzhak is praying, facing his wife, because she was barren. And Hashem answered his prayers. So Rashi says, okay, a very interesting thing. He says, the word for Yitzhak is harbeh. He prayed a lot. And he just kept on repeating his prayers. Petition, petition, petition. This is an interesting, interesting, interesting verse in Tehillim, which we say in our prayers every morning. Kavel Hashem. Trust in God. You know, the word Hatikva came to the word. Kavel Hashem. Hazak v'yametz lebecha v'kavel Hashem. Strengthen your hearts and trust in God. What does that mean? Hope in God. Put your hope in God. If God doesn't answer your prayers, strengthen your hearts and pray again. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. That's, that's what we learn from Yitzhak. Yitzhak. Never gave up. He kept on praying. So his wife would get, have a, get pregnant. And eventually it happened. So his prayers paid off as we learned from this story. That praying doesn't mean you just pray once. You have to build communication with God. You have to build a relationship with God. You have to uh, inculcate your tremendous desire and will 
has a, a powerful effect in the worlds above. This, this will that we have has a powerful effect in the world above. We can change our destinies. That's what we see from these stories. We can change our destinies. And Yitzhak prayed, and he pestered God. He just kept on going like a battering ram. It says prayers are like a battering ram. When we pray, the walls of heaven shake. Okay, obviously you can't see it. And it's uh, not to be taken literally, but figuratively the walls of heaven shake when we pray. Our prayers can get through. And we person prays with tears, is number seven. Person prays with tears, it says, can break through the biggest barriers. Person finds they're crying for some reason. Don't waste those tears. Those tears are precious. Say a prayer. Say a powerful prayer. Pray for uh, revelation. Pray for the Gula. Pray for, for, for us to be redeemed. All the whole of Israel to be redeemed. Pray for peace on earth. Don't waste those tears. Those tears are precious. Pray for something valuable. Don't waste. Tears are precious. And power of prayer with tears is much more than the power of prayer. We're going to see that in the story of Hannah. Again, all this is building up to the story of Hannah, which we have to talk about next week. Story of Hannah. So it says that the Rashi brings down over here that Yitzhak prayed facing his wife and she prayed facing him. In other words, he was praying for her to have a baby and she was praying for her to have a baby. This way, we said it's not selfish prayer, they're praying for each other. But it says that he was answered. Why not she? So it says the prayer of a tzaddik, the son of a tzaddik, has more power than a prayer of a tzaddik, not of the son of a tzaddik, which means he was Yitzhak, the son of Abraham. The son of a tzaddik, son of a righteous person. She was Rivka, the daughter of Lavan, who was a uh, daughter of Betuel, who was not so righteous. And therefore, his merit had much more. He had merit of himself and merit of the forefathers and mothers, which we have talked about. Forefathers and mothers, the merits we talked about. When we pray, we pray for the God. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When, when, when we're mentioning our forefathers when we pray, so that their merits will also stand for us. Very important points. That our, their marriage should also stand for us. There's so much to talk about here. Just in the book of Breshit about prayer. So now, what about blessings? So the answer is blessings are also prayers. It's interesting. It says, Abraham Abed didn't want to bless his, his children. He said, God, I don't know who to bless. I have so many sons, eight sons. I don't know who to bless. You know, you bless them for me. Yitzhak Abedu can bless his child. For some reason, he knows I have the power to bless. I'm going to bless. He chooses. It just shows why. Abraham didn't want to bless any children because it's easy. It's like we see he wanted to bless Esau. And uh, he wants to bless. What is a blessing? A blessing is, in a sense, a very powerful prayer. A blessing is a very focused prayer given over to someone else. I'm focusing my power of prayer on someone that God should shower blessing on that person. That's a very powerful prayer. Bracha. Uh, the word bracha is from the word bricha bricha which is a brecha is a spiritual stream. It's a stream of energy coming down. So when a person prays and gives a blessing, they're opening up a stream of energy from the worlds above from Hashem. You know, time's up and we're going to have to stop here. There's so much to talk about. So Bezrashi will continue this uh, topic and we're going to bring in Hannah next week and introduce the story of Hannah. Prayer and Hannah go together. And the word Hannah is related to what we just started off our topic with Tzachanun. Hannah comes from Chen, which is grace. Plead to God, that's pleading to God, even though I don't deserve grace, and that's a very important point to prayer. A successful prayer is based on grace, which is Tachanun. I don't deserve it, Hashem. Give it to me because you're altruistic. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.